0: Well, good morning. Good morning. I feel like, um, I, feel like I could preach now. Uh, that, was, that was a wonderful message from Brother Bryce, and I, um, I, I am refreshed. There's nothing like being in the house of the Lord. Amen. Nothing like it. And um, I am, uh, I'm encouraged and, and ready to go now, Brother Bryce. Um, I, I appreciate the invitation to be here, and I do ask that you pray for me. As I stand before you today, and um, <clears throat> it's encouraging to see people from my home church here, but then you got to preach something they've never heard before. <laughs> so I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, but I guess maybe if they heard it before, they liked it, so i just preach it again if they showed up knowing I was going to be here. Um, do you all ever have people that you talk to and you say, Every time you talk to them, they get the same story. It's like a broken record. They just say, things are just bad. <laughs> things are just bad. I've got a grandmother, she's 94, and she's been home for a, long, you know, a year now. Um, just starting to kind of get back out. And you know what she does all day? She watches Fox News. <laughs> and she listens to Christian radio. <laughs> I, don't, I, I know which one's better for her, but, and I love her, and I'll call her, and you know what I get to hear about? How bad things are. Yeah. And I agree with her. <laughs> um, but I can't focus on those things, or, or I'll get depressed. <laughs> and I'll just go from the beginning. It's not good to sit around all day watching any kind of news. No. <laughs> um, but I'll say this, I had a lot more time to watch the news last year. <laughs> and you know what I'd do? I'd call her and tell her how bad things were. Because <laughs> <laughs> she'd hear it. <laughs> it was like preaching to the choir, right? And we could just talk about how bad things were. And I thought, the thought occurred to me, how can we make things better? And I'm thankful that there are a lot of good men and women who are still trying to make things better in America. I really am. Uh, but I think for the Christian, uh, we, we, it's probably time that we stop focusing on how to make America great again, and we focus on how to live in Babylon. Amen. Amen. It's, that's sad to say and sad to think about, but that may be much better needed for us in the future. Um, Babylon, there are three places in the Old Testament that it mainly plays out, in Egypt, in Canaan's land and in Babylon, and um, you know, Babylon comes from the name Babel, which means confusion. You can read about that in Genesis chapter eleven, at the Tower of Babel. Um, it, it is a it is a symbol in the Bible of a society that is in mass confusion. Amen. And if you read through Romans chapter one, it's like watching Fox News. <laughs> it talks about a people to whom God has given over to a reprobate mind. They, they confess that they were wise, but yet they were the fools. The same people that will call us fools for being here today are the ones that God will call they are the fools, have become the fools. And I say that lovingly and kindly. But we are living in a society that is void of judgment. Um. It's also, Babylon's also used in in Scripture to describe the forces that oppose God's people and oppose God's church and oppose God Himself. Uh, In the book of Revelation, I believe it's chapter 17, it says that it was written in her forehead it was Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots. Um, It was the the abominations of the earth. Babylon's not a good place to be. Right, right. But it's a place that God's people find themselves in throughout the centuries. Um, you, you're probably familiar with it. the nation of Judah was eventually uh, taken captive. Brother Bryce talked about uh, that a little bit in his message. And you can read about that in Jeremiah 39. I think it's in uh, 2 Kings 25. But in First Peter chapter 5, at the very end of that letter, the Apostle Peter says this in verse 12, By Sylvanius, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying, this is the true grace of God wherein ye stand. He says, the church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you, and so doth Marcus, my son. And there are many theories on what this Babylon is that that where Peter is writing from. Uh, Some believe it's an actual city Babylon. Some people believe it's in Egypt. Some people believe it's what I think they call a cryptogram that he was writing from an undisclosed location. Uh, And some people believe uh, that he was writing from Rome and giving them the name Babylon because Rome was acting as the nation of Babylon had at that time opposing Christianity. Well, I don't know exactly what he meant. (laughs) But I know this, he writes in chapter 1 to the scattered saints who were scattered under persecution. Um, He writes in chapter 2 about people who were pilgrims and strangers in land. And you and I are pilgrims and strangers in a land figuratively of Babylon. Uh, he, he writes in um, chapter 3, he says that they are, that these are people that are trying to follow the way of God and that they are evil spoken of and they're being persecuted for that. They're, they're people that are being persecuted for doing what God says to do. And if you're ever persecuted for what God says to do, you can, you can rest assured that you're living in a figurative land of Babylon. Then he says in um, in the in the fourth chapter, uh, he says that they should let me. I'm going to turn there and just read that to you. He says this. He says, "Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which shall try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you." So these are people that are scattered. They're strangers. They're pilgrims. People are talking bad about them, and they're facing fiery trials. Sounds like Babylon to me. (laughs) What about y'all? So I want to look this morning uh, for the time that I have before me at at some of the things that happen to you while you live in Babylon, and hopefully we can learn how we as Christian people can live in a land that is like Babylon. And we'll get a lot of that from the book of Daniel that Brother Bryce has already mentioned this morning. And I'll say this as you turn there. You can read in Lamentations, the process of getting to Babylon is not pretty. And I think as we look out on the things that are going on in society today, it's very clear that the process is underway. And it's not pretty. And I do have hope. As long as God is on His throne, and guess what? He's on his throne. There's hope for God's people. But when my grandmother will say this, she'll say, What is going on? <laughs> and she'll say, Did you see this person? Did you see that person? And then she'll say, You know what they need? Jesus. <laughs> and I agree. Uh, but when we see rioting in the streets and we see persecution, Brother Bryce mentioned. In, in Canada today, they, they are shutting down churches, they've, they've imprisoned pastors, and you say, that's bad. I'm going to tell you what, they've done that in America over the last year. Yeah. It just may not be as widely spread or as widely known, but they're doing that to God's people here. Uh, and you say, what's going on? Well, we're witnessing the pain of a society that is transitioning to a society that's going to persecute God's people yes. instead of let them live in the freedom that we've had. For the last several hundred years. And, and I don't say that lightly. Um, and I don't say that to discourage you. But I think God's people need to be ready for when it comes. And I could stand up here and say, this is what I'm going to do when it comes. <laughs> well, I don't know. I saw a pastor in a, a church in Mississippi. Right in the beginning of COVID and they had a drive-in service. And the local police force came in and gave everybody tickets, $500 fines, him and everybody in their own car. And um, he he told the police officers, he said, well, get your pads ready because we're going to be back here for the afternoon service in a little bit. (laughs) That's the kind of preacher I want to be. That's the kind of Christian I want to be. But we never really know what we're going to be until it comes, right? But we want to be prepared. And I'm going to say this as well, as we look at what happened in Daniel, as Brother Bryce said, it was the young people that stood up. You know, you can't really blame the young people for what's going on. (laughs) It's not their fault. Um, Paul said this, he said, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example... Of the believers in word, in conversation, and charity, and spirit, and faith, and in purity. He was writing that to a young minister. And I can tell you, there are young people in our church back home that are an inspiration to me. There were conversations I had last year with young people that inspired me when I was down. And young people, uh, it, may be, <laughs> it may be up to you to be the one to stand in Babylon. Um, In Daniel chapter 1, it says, in in, in verse 1, it says, In the third year, the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, and besieged it. It says, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands, with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure of his God. In verse 3 it says, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. And so what we're going to see here is that uh, these, these children of Judah are going to be taken from their home. And they're going to be implanted into a culture and into a landscape that is completely changed from what they're used to. And don't we see that happening around us today? Yes. The culture is definitely shifting. And um, I don't know if, if, if God's people win the culture war. I'm not, really, I'm not really too worried about that because as Brother Bryce said, we have a place of refuge as pilgrims and strangers that we can rest during this war. And I'll just go ahead and say this. At the final wrap-up of all things, Jesus is going to win. <laughs> right? He's going to win. But they're taken from their home. Then it says in verse 4 it says, Children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science. And since she had an ability in them to stand in the king's palace, whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. So not only have they taken them from their culture and, and put them into a different landscape, but now they're going to indoctrinate the children. And if COVID 19 might have taught some people anything, as you had to, to do e learning with your children, a lot of people have said, I didn't know they were teaching that. <laughs> All right, that's right. Yep. Um, so it may turn out that the shutdown for one year did more <laughs> for the education of God's people in America than we could have ever imagined. Yeah, amen. You know what's really sad is if they'd have shut, shut the abortion clinics down for one week, they'd have saved more lives, probably. <laughs> than they ever saved by shutting down the the economy. But that's neither here nor there. So they're going to indoctrinate the children. In verse 5 it says, "...and the king appointed them daily provisions of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king." So they're going to change their diet. They're going to change what they consume. And that's happening in our society. And maybe not so much what you eat right now, but I'm going to tell you what you consume through the media can be as dangerous as what you eat. <laughs> That's right. You can be physically fit but spiritually out of shape in a hurry based on what you consume. But did you know, because there are religions, there are zealous people that follow religions in our nation today that want to change your diet because they follow a religion where they, they worship the earth and they believe it's burning up i believe in a god that's in control of this earth i believe in the promises that god gave of of seed time and harvest and i don't think those things are ever going to fail because god is faithful but i wrote this quote down because i knew you wouldn't believe me (laughs) you know sometimes you don't believe the preacher right (laughs) it was at the mit technology review Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft, said that he believed that all rich countries should move to 100% synthetic beef in an effort to cut down on pollution and global warming. <laughs> I, don't, what about, I don't want to eat synthetic beef. What about y'all? <laughs> I saw a, a commercial for the Impossible Whopper. Carrie and I were watching TV, and it said it's made 100% Uh, from vegetables, I believe it was, or tofu or something. It said, we've taken, maybe it wasn't the impossible, I can't remember what it was, but it said, we've taken vegetables and we've turned it into a hamburger. (laughs) And I told Carrie, I said, that's how foolish our world is. They think they're so smart. Cows have been doing that for centuries. (laughs) I mean, they have. It's going to have to get real bad for me to eat a synthetic hamburger. (laughs) Just give me the plants that made the hamburger. I'll eat a salad. Um, But I'm not doing it. (laughs) We're not having synthetic hamburgers for lunch today, are we? (laughs) Um, It says in verse 6, it says, Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuch gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name Betelshazzar, unto Hananiah, Shadrach, unto Mishael he gave the name Meshach, and unto Azariah, Abednego. And so we see here that in verse 7, their names were changed, and now they're, gonna be, they're in Babylon, and they're going to be labeled something that they were not. That's one of the methods of Babylon. And their names were changed uh, to encourage them to forget their God and to forget their traditions, um, to forget their homeland and become conformed to the ways of the gods of Babylon. And that's why Paul would warn that we're not to be conformed to this world. But but we're to we're 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 not to be conformed to this world, but we're to be transformed by the where by the renewing of our mind. See, we are whether we want to admit it or not, we're in a war for our mind. And the Bible, not the Bible, the world is trying to conform you every day. Sometimes very subtly, sometimes not so subtly. But And and see, the devil knows that he's defeated. Isn't that good? <laughs> he knows that he was crushed at Calvary by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's out for your mind. He's out to, he's out to pull you away from the church. He's out, he's out to pull you away from the people of God to conform you to the image of this world. And he wants to label you something you're not. You hear people that say, I was... I, there's no way that I could be a child of God. You know who that comes from? The devil. Even if it's coming from a preacher in a stand somewhere, it's coming from the devil. That's right. That's, that, is, that is spiritual child abuse. <laughs> and I'm telling you, God does not like it. Say, so if you were really a child of God, you'd, uh, you'd persevere to the end. If you were really a child of God, you'd be more faithful. If you were really a child of God, you'd be more holy. You know, somebody got up and preached to my daughter and said, if you were really Josh's son, you'd do this. If you were really Josh's son, you'd do that. It wouldn't take long and the redneck come out in me and we'd be fighting, okay? Like, you don't tell my girl that's not my girl. <laughs> I believe that's how God feels about Amen. preachers that try to make God's children doubt their salvation. Their names are changed. And they're trying to be conformed. And I'm going to tell you this. If you're going to stand for God in this world, you're going to be labeled things that you are not. Um, they'll call you prejudiced. Anti-science. I like that one. We call it anti-science by people that can't tell a boy from a girl. I'm not worried about what they think. What about y'all? Backwards fundamentalists, they're radical conservatives, and I'm going to tell you this: if you stand for the truth of God's word, that you are saved by grace alone, you're going to be called even worse words, yeah. like a heretic, <laughs> um, a hard shell, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I'll wear that one. Yeah. I, and and what if you ever get into a debate? And I don't, I don't advocate debating religion. But if you ever get somebody backed in the corner far enough, they'll say, he's a (laughs) hyper-Calvinist. Run. (laughs) I like it when people start calling me those kind of names. Because that probably means you're on to something. But their names were changed, and they were labeled something they weren't, because this is the way that Babylon works. If you turn to chapter 3, you're going to see two other things. see, Nebuchadnezzar the king had made an image of, he had made an idol, and he had he had said that everybody had to bow down to this image, to this idol. And he had gathered, in, in verse 2 it says, Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. In verse 3, it says, Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together under the dedication of the image of Nebuchadnezzar the king set up. They stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And a herald cried aloud. So the MC of the event comes out and says, To you it is commanded, O people and nations and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. See, in in the land of Babylon, we're going to be persuaded, forced, I don't know the word to use, to worship something other than God. And, and here's, here's two of the things they're going to get. In verse 6, we're going to see that, they're, that, that, that they are, and ultimately if things continue on the track that they're continuing in our society, we are... Going to be faced with the threat of persecution and the threat of death. It says in verse 6, it says, Whoso falleth not down and worships not, and does, doesn't worship, shall be the same hour cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Now let me tell you, I don't I don't say that lightly because that's one of those things, if you're faced with that, you really don't know what you're going to do till you're faced with it, right? But I'm going to tell you, men and women have been faced with it throughout the centuries and they've stood tall because God was with them when they were faced with it. Hey, if, if God's not with me, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> now, if God's with me, I think I know what I'm going to do as well. But if the threat of persecution is not enough, in verse 7 we see that they're, this is a very strong influencer in society. They are, for, they are faced with peer pressure and the threat of being different. It says, therefore, at that time when all the people heard the sound of all the music, it says all the people. You know, in the Bible, all doesn't always mean all, right? (laughs) But here's a great many of them. It says all the people, the nations, the languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And, And it's gonna. It. I'm telling you, peer pressure is real, right? brother Sam Bryant was he's still my pastor (laughs) I guess I'm the pastor now but the pastor needs a pastor and he's still my pastor (laughs) and he's my friend and he's my mentor and he's um, so I quote him from time to time he said he saw an interview with a 100 year old lady one day and they said what's the best thing about being 100 and she said no more peer pressure (laughs) Um, but peer pressure is real uh, and it is it is strong and 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 it it takes a lot of courage and it takes strength from God to stand out and be different um, but that 's exactly what you 're going to have to do if you 're going to live in Babylon Amen. so as we talk about how to live in babylon let's let 's look at a few things back to chapter one of this uh, this book um the first thing we got to do is, if we're going to live in Babylon, is you got to make up your mind right now that I'm going to stand for God. Amen. That's what Joshua said, wasn't he? he? Said, "Choose you this day whom you're going to serve, whether the gods over there or the God of the Bible." And that's still a relevant question to us every morning that we wake Amen. up. Who am I going to serve? It says in verse eight after they were going to change the diet of these men. It says, "But Daniel." purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine that he drank therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself and you're going to see that god was with him and and he did not he ate of the pulse the bible will say he ate of the vegetable he wasn't going to eat of the diet of babylon And I always laugh about this part because if you go to Lifeway, I don't even know if there's a Lifeway anymore. There's a book called The Daniel Diet (laughs) where you can diet like Daniel. But if you keep reading, Daniel was fatter than the rest of them when it ended. Y'all ever notice that? (laughs) That's usually the kind of diet I get on. (laughs) Y'all ever gone on a diet and then you. I remember one year I was going to lose 20 pounds, and in December I had 40 to go. I remember that. That's the kind of diet I get on, but Daniel had purposed in his heart that he was not going to bow down or defile his God. And that is a that is a decision that we make every morning. And if we look at Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they've done the same thing. Um, let let's 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 look at verse um, verse 8 because this is chapter 3 and verse 8. It says, Wherefore at that time after everybody had bowed down to the altar, and I know I'm jumping around, but everybody had bowed down to this image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Well, almost everybody. It says, At that, for, at that time there were certain Chaldeans that came near and accused the Jews. And they spake and said unto King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. They're buttering up the king. And It says, Thou, O king, has made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of all this music that he shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and, and worships, that he should be cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And now they're, going to, now they're going to tell on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I want you to notice what it says. It says, There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They have not served thy gods, nor worshipped the golden image which thou hast set up. I want you to notice there's a key word I believe in verse 12 that they, the Chaldeans say to them, they said they are certain Jews. It didn't say all the Jews won't bow down. It said there's just a few of them that won't bow down. And it's been certain people, as Brother Tim talked about just this morning, it's been certain men and certain women who decided they were going to stand for certain things through certain times that have blessed us to be here today enjoying this. Amen. And I want to say to the preachers today, aren't you glad to know that God has, has, he has, he has perpetrated His kingdom throughout all the generations through men like me and you? <laughs> Like me and you, best has heard this a lot. I lost my keys for like four days of the day, you know, and I'm supposed to preach and teach. It's it's all in the power of God. We forget that. That's when we get in trouble. But they say there are certain Jews that are not going to bow down. It says then Nebuchadnezzar in verse 13, in his rage and fury, commanded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They brought them before the king. And that's, that's a good lesson for us as we live in Babylon, that if the government says it and you don't do it because it goes against uh, the laws of God, and that's, that's as Christians, that's when we don't do what they say to do is when Amen. it goes against the laws of God. Right. If we do that, you're going to be met with rage and fury. Because if there's one thing that governments don't like, it's people that believe there's something bigger and better than government. Amen. And Nebuchadnezzar spake and said to them, It is true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Is it true that you don't serve my gods, nor worship the golden image that I've set up? Now if you be ready, at what time you hear all the music and you fall down and worship the image which I've made up, well, he says it'll be good. He's going to give them another chance. Mm -hmm. But if you don't worship, you'll be cast the same hour in the midst of the burning fiery furnace, And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. And I believe what he's saying there is all of them said, it brings me no anxiety to tell you I'm not going to do it. Because they had already purposed in their heart that they weren't going to bow down to the kings of this world and the gods of this world. And that's why I say we've got to make that decision every morning. Because when you're faced with it, and then you make the decision, you're probably going to make the wrong one. But when you purpose in your heart every day, every week, every year, that you're going to follow God, you're prepared, and you never know when an event like this is going to take place in your life. If you're, if you're in school, there's going to be peer pressure to do things that God says not to do. And it may not be to bow down to, a, to an image, but it may be to do something that you know that God doesn't want you to do. Well, you better have already made up your mind that you're not going to do it, or you guess what you're going to find? Now listen, I've learned this the hard way. <laughs> you're going to find yourself doing it. So we make up our minds that we're not going to do it. And so they say they were not careful to answer you. It doesn't bring them any anxiety because they'd already made up their mind that they were going to follow God. Um... Here, here's another thing, and I think it was Brother Tim or maybe it was Brother Bryce, whoever, I don't know. It's, it's been a good meeting already, but they talked about we, we have a rich heritage. You know, as primitive Baptist, y'all ever done this? I haven't done this in a long time, but somebody would say, where do you go to church? And I would say, I go to Vestavia <coughs> Baptist Church. Has anybody ever done that? I don't do it anymore. <laughs> Praise God, um, because the threat of being different is a real threat, right? But if we're going to live in Babylon, I think it's important that we understand the heritage that we have and where we come from. Um, and and you see, as a as a as a as a nation descends into into Babylon, it, it tries its best to erase the heritage you have and where you come from. Um, in the book of Psalms, Psalm uh, 137, it says, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue plead to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem, above my chief joy. I'm going to tell you something. As Primitive Baptists in 2021, we've got a rich heritage. That, And I say this in a, in a reverent way that we should, we should be proud about. We should be thankful for is probably a better way to put that. Because we're standing on, on doctrines and teachings that men have given their life for. We've never been the persecutor. We've always been the persecuted. Did y'all know that? And I'm, I, I am thankful. I shouldn't use that word proud, I guess. But I am thankful to be a primitive Baptist in 2021. Amen. And now if somebody says, where do you go to church? I say, Vestavia. Primitive Baptist church. <laughs> <laughs> Peter reminded his readers. Do you remember that in 1 Peter? He said, you are a royal priesthood. Those people in spiritual Babylon. He said, you are a peculiar people. He wanted them to remember their heritage and where they came from. Um, the, the, the third thing we've got to remember, I believe we're going to live in Babylon, is have you ever seen these signs? We've got to keep calm and carry on. <laughs> uh, they found that, I think, in 2000. You know, you've seen them now. But it was that, that original poster, I, I found out, was printed in like 1939 in Britain before World War II because every day they were talking about, we're going to be bombed. Things are bad. Things are getting bad. So, that, so the government put out those posters says, keep calm and carry on. <laughs> um, and you know, it does no good to freak out, does it? <laughs> that just makes things worse. Listen to Jeremiah 29, verses 4-7. through 7. It says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem into Babylon. Build ye houses and dwell in them, Plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased and not diminished and seek the peace of the city whither I have caused you to be carried away captives and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof, ye shall have peace. I think that's God's way of just saying keep calm and carry on. (laughs) Sister Carol Williams is here. Um, she's a member of our church. And um, she it was back when her dad was sick, and um, she she said she was just frazzled, leaving his house, trying to get somewhere for work. And she couldn't find something, and she parked in a church parking lot, and, and, and it was just one of those where you're at your wits end. And um, she just looked up at a church sign, and she didn't remember what church it was, But there was one of those that you could put a message out there. And it said, it said, it said, a quote, I think it said, Don't freak out, I've got this. (laughs) God. (laughs) That's good to remember sometimes that God is still on his throne. God is still ruling and reigning in the affairs of men. And God's got this. We keep calm, we care about what he said, he says, pray. That's the fourth thing we need to learn if we're going to live in Babylon. We need to be people of prayer, right? We pray. In the book of Daniel, in chapter 2, where Daniel's trying to interpret this dream to Nebuchadnezzar, he's got an opportunity to do it. In verse 18 and verse 17, Daniel goes to Meshach Abednego. He goes to the three Hebrew boys, and he says, He goes to them that they would desire mercies of God of heaven concerning this secret. He knew that if he's going to live in Babylon, he needed to be a man of prayer, as you'll find about Daniel. And that he needed to be around people of prayer praying for him. And if we're going to make it together, we got to all pray for each other, right? There is not a department in Washington that's the department of prayer. They're not going to pray for the people of God. It's either we're going to do it or nobody's Amen. going to do it. Um, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, First Timothy chapter two, excuse me. In chapter two. So First Timothy chapter two and verse one. I'll get that right in a minute. He says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority. So you say, What can we do? I don't like so and so who's up there today. I don't like so and so who's leading this What can you do? You can pray for them. That's really all you can do is pray for them and you can vote against them. (laughs) If you live in Georgia, you vote three or four times against them. (laughs) Brother Bryce, you can do that now. Or if you live in Georgia, you might vote against them and end up voting for them. I don't know how that works. But you can pray for them, right? Maybe I mean you can pray, God don't bless the things they're promoting, but but change their heart. He says we're to pray for them so so that we might have domestic tranquility. He says that we pray for the kings that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And and basically what the apostle Paul is saying there is, is that the goal of the Christian is to lead a drama free life. <laughs> There's a lot of drama in this world, isn't there? I mean, in all of, every family is dealing with drama. Every church has probably dealt with some drama. I mean, what, social media is so popular because it's just like a train wreck, right? <laughs> it's just drama, drama, drama. And that sells. But he says the, the goal of the child of God is to lead a peaceable and quiet life in all godliness and honesty. He says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. And here's what we need to pray for because this is the only hope for our nation. He says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And obviously it's not God's will that all men be saved eternally or all men will be saved eternally. But it is God's will that all men who are saved eternally, God is in to promoting the truth. Did you all know that? He wants his children to know the truth. Unfortunately, Satan does know that. And a lot of times he gets the lie to them before we can ever get the truth to them. A lot of times it's hard to unteach some of that things. But deep inside of every child of God, I'll believe this till I die, there is something inside of them, the Spirit of God, that, that is, when he hears the truth, it's harmonious Amen. to that little son. Amen. He says we need to pray for the spread of the truth. And, and, and the fifth thing that we need to remember when we live in Babylon is, is that even if we're in Babylon, God's there with us. Amen. Uh, when, when Christ was, was commissioning His disciples, they were to go into places like Babylon and preach the Gospel and make disciples. And he closes that by saying, Lo, I am with you always, even into the end of the world. He, they need, he knew that they needed to know that He was with them. And God will be with you in Babylon. In verse 19, after these, these three Hebrew boys said, we're not going to do it, it says, Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats and their hosen and their hats and their garments and were cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound in the midst of the fiery furnace. And this is what our brother Bryce talked about. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king, he was—he was, this word means he was astonished and he was alarmed. <laughs> and he rose up in haste. See, he'd been telling everybody, you need to fall down and worship in haste. But when the true God of the Bible showed up, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in haste. And he spake and said unto the counselors, did not we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, true, O king. He answered and said, lo, I see four men loose and walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. I wrote this quote down. Warren Wearsby said, fellowship and freedom are often found in the midst of the furnace if you're committed to the Lord. And the good promise is that even when you're in the midst of Babylon, you can still walk with Him and talk with Him. He's still there with you. Praise His name.